You just well, got, caught me taking like the deepest breath. Like, whoo. Alrighty, welcome to Creative Compulsions. We're taking a break from the LA grind to unravel the future classics of tomorrow while honoring the classics of yesterday. It's more than a podcast. It's an unabashed deep dive into the world of entertainment, current events, culture, and the randomness of our day-to-day -day existence through the lens of young Hollywood. Hosted by me, Martin Martinez. You might know me from Primo, The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, and Magnum P.I. And we're featuring actor and writer and self-improvement aficionado, Troy Hatt. So grab your popcorn, your candy, your oat latte, or whatever tickles your fancy, and let's get to the show. <laughs> this is Creative Compulsions. <laughs> I love that part. So for this episode, it's a little bit of a segue here. This episode is going to differ from our previous episode, but the idea came about because Troy was sharing a story to me and I thought, you know what? I love this story and I would love to talk about this on the pod. What do you think? I think we were having like... Half off sushi at Sprouts from, from Sprouts. Yeah, we were, and we were just at the table and you were telling me this experience. Yeah, I had kind of clued you into the fact that I had this great story to tell that needed to be told like in person. You know those stories where you just, yeah, you can't, you have to wait until you're in person together. Like, this is one of those stories. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And I was like, you know what? Let's just put a pin in this and let's talk about this on the pod. It's a creative compulsion. Almost everybody has a bucket list. But what happens when a promising spiritual retreat turns into a nail biting nightmare? So in this episode, we take a break from movie reviews as I crack Troy open to discuss his first time at a sensory deprivation tank. <sighs> Spoiler alert, it becomes the closest thing he's ever had to a panic attack. You know, as actors, we're used to high-pressure situations, but do we ever really get used to them, or do we just keep finding new ways to cope? But before that, it's time for the catch-up. Let's go. I probably sound a little raspy. The reason why we had to put pins in our schedule here is because I'm a little bit under the weather. But we're doing it, and we thought it was important, and we thought the story was powerful, and we wanted to bring you this. And Martin found his, like, resilience today, and I was kind of like, juggling a few things and was able to just kind of maneuver that to jump on this podcast and and do it and i love that and that's our chemistry definitely so for the brief catch-up we just wanted to send out our our heartfelt condolences to everyone dealing with the tragedies that are going on right now we don't want to overlook them but that's not what this podcast is about per se but we still want to pay homage to everything that's going on definitely definitely and we are being optimistic as actors we are currently on strike and hoping for the best as we have been the last hundred days as of right now they are scheduled to meet again and so we're hoping that by the time this podcast airs that the actor's strike is over and we're celebrating. Definitely. And we talked about the bucket list in that intro. And this is a bucket list experience, right? This is a bucket list experience. I had a sensory deprivation tank, like in my mind, as someplace that I really wanted to go. Listen, I started kind of like this mindfulness journey about probably eight years ago now. And I was so certain that this was going to be a positive experience. Let's just say I had a very specific vision about what it was. And even the description of what I thought it was is kind of like off. So we'll go into that. But I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that, to diving that um, experience. Are there any other things that you have on your bucket list that you would like to share? I, you know what? I respect 
the bucket list because I don't even think I have a bucket list. I should make that because you just do everything. You're I think I'll just do it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's, I'm dead serious. You're like, I, you know what they say? Like, I think Oprah says, uh, I don't have dreams anymore. I just have plans. Mm, I love that. And I exactly to me, that's that's you. It's like, oh, I kind of want to jump off a plane. Hey, what are you guys doing next week? <laughs> jump off a plane. Jump out of a plane. Uh, you know, out of my experiences, I would have been like, this is a bucket list experience. It wasn't on the bucket list, but you know what? It could be a bucket list experience, you know, like yeah. seeing one of Stevie Wonder's last performances, which is actually kind of cool because I saw him at the Hollywood Bowl and he just did a guest appearance. Nobody knew that he was coming on for for Quincy Jones's uh, homage to Quincy Jones, I think. Yeah. Is homage the, the homage. homage? Homage. And they probably could be celebrating him and his achievements. Absolutely. He comes on stage and he sings happy birthday, which is amazing. And that's the clip that I saved. So anytime somebody has a happy birthday, I'm like, hey, he, I couldn't sing it personally, but here's Stevie Wonder and the L.A. Philharmonic. But no, are there any other bucket list experiences that you have on your head that you have not or have? Honestly, I feel like yet? I'm scratching things off of the bucket list that I've decided not to do after this experience. Uh, no, that's the point. Jump, jump out of a plane. No, I don't feel like I need to do that anymore. Have we ever talked about an opposite bucket list? Where you erase things off the bucket list because you've gained this wisdom that says, hey, maybe this isn't the best for you. That gives me chills. That's something I don't hear talked about enough. That's true. That's actually kind of a cool concept. So shall we? Let's get into it. I thought a sensory deprivation tank was going to be a bunch of people in one big pool floating around and relaxing sounds like a spa i kind of thought it was going to be very spa like and i'm pretty sure to most people that's what it might have been like or like what what are those what are those they're like dips they're coming out of like a, a reservoir from the earth a mineral what is it called a hot spring sure but inside like a hot tub <laughs> Um, so I thought it'd be dimly lit and I thought there would be music playing. Everything I just said that makes no sense to a sensory deprivation tank. I wouldn't be able to hear music. I wouldn't be able to see dimly lit lights. That's not sensory deprivation. My brain just was like complete fog, not paying attention to what it was. I thought it was. I was just like, that's probably what it'll be. Now, I get told very early on that. I don't know if everyone does it naked, but they're like, yeah, you, you go in there naked. We're not in the same room. Cool. So I go to this sensory deprivation tank, which I will absolutely not say which one it was because it's not the point of the story at all. This could be any sensory deprivation tank. I think we'll find out in the comments later on if this is anybody else's experience. Yeah. And you, you brought this up and I, and I was like, you know what it got me thinking? Like, is this effective or not? You know, like is the whole experience because you were, you're starting to talk about it. And I was like, wait, hold on. Let's pause, you know, and um, and and so I'm excited to to welcome everybody to this conversation, the story that you were telling me that we're welcoming in the listener to. Should I do a little background of what a deprivation sure, sure. tank yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go into it first. So just a little background on deprivation tanks. They're also known as flotation tanks or isolation tanks. <laughs> Maybe you should have known. <laughs> I did not wiki. <laughs> and the purpose is to provide restricted isolated therapy, abbreviated as REST, R-E-S-T. The science behind floating is proven to reduce cortisol levels, lower blood pressure, improve symptoms of chronic fatigue and burnout, improving sleep, reducing anxiety, and the perception of pain, confusion, and the impact of many serious health conditions and much more. So I was like, oh, there's a, there's a lot to this. 
And I was super interested in doing this myself. And I was actually looking at something along the similar lines of a sense of deprivation experience where it's called a darkness retreat, which is described as an unparalleled experience of intense seclusion where the individual is deprived from all light and sensory distractions and thus forced closer to that one to plunge into a deep witnessing state awareness of the mind and eventually experience the perception of the inner light of pure consciousness. I was actually considering doing that, I think a couple of months ago before I took a trip out, um, a little vacation. But yeah, I think that's the deprivation tank is like the threshold of consciousness and unconsciousness. Wow. Um, yeah, that was, it, it was expert level and I was about to find out. Okay. So the first person I ever, first time I ever felt a sense of claustrophobia, I was at Target. I went down one level too far, thinking that my car was going to be like, I would be able to see it. And, you know, the level that I parked on was like right out from the street. So there's some airflow. And I, for some reason, I was walking ahead and I could feel like all of a sudden the air gets super thin. And I was like, I didn't like that feeling at all. And that was my first inkling besides like being stuck in a stuffy car. I go to the sensory deprivation tank. And this was honestly like in the middle of COVID. I don't even think it was near. It, it was maybe just over the middle of it, but it, we were still in it. And there was no COVID protocols happening at all. Just a warning about the claustrophobia thing. Just a little bit warning to the listeners out there. Float therapy should be used with caution with individuals who struggle with claustrophobia or seizure disorder. So that's something to think about. Yes. And I also want to say... When I say panic attacks, I don't want to undermine what people really go through on a consistent basis. Like it can get really intense. Um, this story I actually felt comfortable sharing because it was, I mean, what is the threshold? What is the measure marker? I was panicking um, yeah. and not okay. It's that sense of like, you're right, panic and loss of control. And you are, you can't think as, you know what I mean? I, it's, it's extreme. I've had that experience with claustrophobia. I'm not very a claustrophobic person, but I experience claustrophobia when I am in a situation where I, I don't remember the situation exactly or specifically, but I couldn't get out. I think I remember. And that's when you're aware that there's no way out. I think I was like diving in a cave or something like that. No, ma'am. <laughs> I erased it off my bucket list recently. I'm kidding. Go ahead. You were saying that the code of COVID protocols weren't as... They were non-existent at this specific one. And I was like, okay, so we'll start there. Um, and then, okay, so since I was a kid, I'd walk into like a grocery store, um, the corner store that I think I talked about before. And I would look around and be like, oh, yeah, I could definitely steal that. There's no camera pointed in this direction, this, that, or the other. Didn't steal anything. It's just where my mind went. And I still kind of do that. So I walked into this place and I was like, Okay, so they're not, they don't really have security. I kind of have my, my bag and they're not checking my bag. So that unnerved me for an experience. By the way, I do purposefully go into certain experiences blind. It's wild and I know that. Um, the same thing I do for movies. It's like, I will not watch a preview sometimes and not know what's going on and just go in for the experience. This guy's explaining what it is that's going to be going down. And I'm listening, but also people watching and also going like, oh, I wonder why he's colored his beard. Like, my brain is also just observing the human also just wondering, like, what type of person works at a sensory deprivation tank? And how long has he been working today? And does this music ever annoy him? <laughs> That's like complete awareness. 
you know? So, Which and is I, cool. I come back to, so is there enough Did air? Did music bother him? What was the music? <laughs> no, calming music, I'm sure. Elevator music? No music. See, that would give me anxiety. The eerie silence of it, or even elevator music. And and you know what my first inclination of that is, that experience is kind of like going into something, going into your first experience for the first time. And if you're already kind of skeptical about it, and if you're already kind of in your head, then the experience, that's going to bleed into that experience. So I come back to him going, to me asking the question, how much air is being pumped in through this little thing? Enough air. Enough air? I don't, I don't like to hear the words enough air put together in a sentence. I don't ever want to hear, yeah, there's enough air. I was like, never heard those two words put together. Enough? Just enough? Like, am I going to like pass out if I breathe too heavily? What's enough, sir? I go in, I'm like, okay, enough air, sweet. So as you walk into the individual rooms, you know, unlatch the door, open it up, it's very dimly lit. You see this big kind of like, it almost looks like a, like a vault in a bank. So I walk into the tank and I kind of like put my feet in. And also my mind is going wild. And you know, that's the ego. The ego is that mind that is questioning and trying to protect you and I've agreed to ignore it to a certain extent, but I've, I have a limit that I'll, that I'll make, but on this special event, that limit is pushed away where I go, yes, I'm going to be uncomfortable already. I've already set the bar and I get in and I like lie down and partially I'm like shutting the door at the same time, eerily watching any bit of light, which is the only light is coming from underneath the door. And once you shut that tank like it's done i'm i'm sitting down in the tank and i'm going okay this is this is a little insane um enough air huh is that what that is that what that is because i can barely feel it blowing on me and i don't like that feeling so already i'm unnerved my brain what would most people do in this situation (laughs) let me start there because i don't know what i want to do right now And I was like, well, the person would just lay back and start floating and then just kind of drift off and be comfortable. So I lay back and immediately I'm like terribly dizzy. I grew up with really bad motion sickness from a head injury, which could be a whole nother episode. The tank is wide enough where when I kind of like open up my arms, I will eventually hit the sides of the tank and stuff like that. But if you're just kind of floating comfortably, you aren't hitting anything. And I started to spin like a quarter turn. And that's what made me dizzy. And I didn't realize it because visually your eyes are your stabilizer, as I learned that day. And without being able to see anything, I was immediately dizzy. Now, I can't just come back to not being dizzy and, oh, now I'm okay. No, I'm dizzy. And now I have to get myself to a calm down again and stop feeling this dizziness feeling that I'm that I'm going through so now I did some type of quarter turn actually in my brain I just got dizzy I don't know that I floated anywhere because I have nothing to base it off of I have no reference so now I'm like sitting up and I'm going I don't I don't like this at all I'm just like yeah I want out of here like immediately so I go and I grab the bar that's there. I go to go pull on the door and the door's not opening. So now I'm like, let me, let me out of this tank. Did, did, they, did they say that they were going to lock me in? 
did they say, did they say we were locked in? They wouldn't lock me in. There's got to be cameras in here. There's no cam. They, they can't have cameras in this place. I'm naked. So nobody's watching. So nobody's watching me. <laughs> Is there infrared cameras? Okay, anxious. Yeah. So now I'm like, okay. So what they said? They said they said, bang on the door. Bang on the door when you want to get out. No, they said someone will bang on the on the door when it's time to get out. Okay, well, I'm either way, I'm bang. So I start banging on the thing, going, first off, hey, excuse me, can you let me out of here? Then <laughs> it becomes, I, I need to get out of here. Can someone please get me out of here? That's when I kind of try to go to this mindfulness place because I'm going, I'm about to lose it. And I don't know what that looks like. I've never gotten that close before. And I'm like, I'm about to lose it. I'm starting to get there. I'm like, I'm about to lose it. So I'm like, just taking deep breaths, lay back, chill out. You might be stuck in here for a couple hours. Legit, that's just where my brain went. I know most people will be listening going like, what do you mean? Get out of there. Yeah, me too. thought so. And I laid back down and I was like, oh, there we are. Okay, just chill out. Maybe 30 seconds. Maybe 30 seconds. I'm going uh nope don't like this let me out of here <laughs> like i was calm and then my brain said but don't forget you're locked in and my brain just went and started freaking out so now so those 30 seconds you were you were floating yeah i was floating and happy and i made sure i put my hands on the side so that i knew where everything was so i wasn't spinning nope nope no i'm i'm good i'm good on that and granted how long is this supposed to be Two hours yeah. is how long I was supposed to be in there. Yeah, that's some time. That's a lot of time. Yeah. That's a lot of time. There's a lot of things I don't want to do for two hours that I love. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a lot of time. I don't. I'm curious if that time just passes by quickly, or if you're just aware of how much time is passing. It's part of the punchline. Now I need to get out of there. So now I'm yelling, banging, but also kind of like I think at this point I'm starting to get a little bit more like problem solving like how do i get out of here what's gone wrong is it something that i've done because no one's coming to help me you have to understand that i banged and no one's coming to help you that in itself and so in my head i'm going they think that i'm having some type of weird meltdown in this tank and they just let them do it because what are they going to do oh someone someone like accessed a really horrible memory and they're working through it in the tank and that's what they paid us for Right. But we banged open the tank and ripped them out naked and took them to the hospital. And so I go like this, and then I realize that I've spun around and I've grabbed the wrong part of the tank. I grabbed probably a bar that's used to help you get up and get down, but it's actually the exact same width as the handle to get out. Grab the correct handle, crack open the door. And I'm like, ah, oh, fresh air. And at that moment was pure success. I was problem solving to get out. I did not want to be in there for two hours at all. So when I cracked open that door, I didn't care about anything. I just cared about fresh air, being out of that place. Happiest kid in the world. So I crawl hands and knees out of the tank dramatically because that's just who I am and because I'm allowed to be whatever I want to be in that tank when obviously no one is watching me and no one gives a shit. I crawl into the shower and I just put it on like hot and I'm just like, oh, 
$50 for a hot shower that I could have had at home. And I was prepared to sit in that shower for the whole two hours because I would do that. It's so relaxing. I, I, I can sit in hot tubs for hours and hours and just read. I just, I don't know. I always say I'm still thawing out from living in Vancouver, where I'm from, even though it's been 15 years. I think there's a thing in psychology about that, you know, like people that enjoy hot showers. Um... <laughs> where are you going? <laughs> where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. You were going. I'm going with you. That's it. This is the psychology thing. <laughs> No, no, no. The psychology thing is that people that are like, I guess, more prone to hot showers or really enjoy that prefer kind of on the hotter end of showers were deprived of of warmth and comfort and love from that parental figure. They're actually needing a hug. I read that somewhere. I was like, I love hot showers. Like, what am I? You know, there's always something. Is, is there something you'd like to tell us? <laughs> okay, this is where the story gets weird. And I'm prepared to open up to you specifically on a part that I don't always tell everyone. Genuine curiosity about how this tank is working, because all I have is time and I'm free. I'm wondering, like, what's going on out there? So even though I'm in this shower, I kind of like lean down to see kind of under the door, seeing if I could see footsteps going, because what is it being, there's something about being intrigued by the light. So this is the time that you had after you got out, you have, I don't know, maybe an hour and 30 minutes. Buck naked, getting the goo, which I didn't really go into. It's a very gooey substance, and there's a lot of whatever is in there. I think it's about a thousand pounds of Epsom salt Thank you. to create the buoyancy to float, almost equivalent to the Dead Sea. Yeah, $50 worth. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally over it. I didn't even, it wasn't even my money. I felt bad for them. Okay. Then all of a sudden, I see two footsteps at my door. They're just planted, listening for me. Because they probably know I cracked open the door. I'm sure there's some weird sensor or something like that. And I'm having this hot shower. <laughs> Honestly, I'm happy as a clam now. I'm not like scarred at all. I'm just kind of like, I'm having a hot shower. I spent $50 on this damn hot shower. I'm going to use it. And I'm just looking at him, just looking at his feet. Like, what are you doing? What are they doing? I'm like, oh, they're probably wondering if I'm doing drugs right now. Deadass. Like, I'm, I'm sure that's what they're thinking. And then the hot shower goes frozen cold. They wanted me out of that shower. I don't know why. I don't know if it was like someone's having a panic attack. They... If we hit them with ice cold water, they're going to come out of whatever space they're in and they were protecting me. So heard, felt, I'm getting out of this ice cold shower now. Wait, so you can look at the floor while it was like you're a glass in floor. the shower. It was a glass door, a stand-up shower. I could see the light. Oh, oh okay. I, th I pictured you on the ground. <laughs> I probably... I probably cracked it open. You just look at it. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, that no, makes but, sense. But this is why you're here. You're going to see the holes in my story. They're like, no, Troy, you're not going to see it from there. I'm like, you're probably right. I probably like cracked it open. I didn't give a crap. He walks away. Shower goes cold. I'm trying off, hoping not to see anyone because that's that was the most embarrassing thing in the world. Got my clothes on, exited out the back door. You have to understand, my friend is still in there having the time of his life. And I go and I'm outside and I'm just like, honestly, it's probably like a hot Los Angeles day. And I'm just like waiting for my friend. I can keep busy scrolling social, all that stuff. I was just like, oh, this is going to be a great story. 
And you know what I'm telling myself? Troy, when he asked you how it was, you need to say good. Or it, it was all right, because this was his bucket list item too. This is something he wanted to do. So I want to honor the fact that I'm not going to jump on him with my story. But this was awful. It's just being conscientious. You know what I mean? And he's like, oh, that was so cool. He was in there for the full two hours. Mind you, I thought he would be the one to crack and have my situation happen. Certain. This is not good for him. Judgment. This is not good for him. I don't think. That's how far away I was from thinking that this was something that I was going to, a situation that I thought was going to happen to me. My husband, on the other hand, was like, of course, that's, why did you, what? No, I could have told you you were going <laughs> to. That's great. He also allowed me to arrive at that answer myself. And I needed that. That's why it works. That's why everything clicks. There is a dead air that's going to happen because I don't get to share my full story. I'm not going to sit there and lie to him and say, it was amazing. And this happened and this, I'm not that psychotic, but I was just like, I think I had a panic attack. What's a, what's a panic? I think that's what a panic attack is. And honestly, since then, when I think about the empathy that I experienced and the anxiousness that I felt every single time I went out to audition, when it worked in an audition room, it was because of like some weird grace. It was the warmth of a casting director saying that I was in a, in a free space and I would nail it. Whether I was what they wanted or what they didn't want, that's, that's fairy dust. That's, that's the magic that happens. But when I was in the right room and the right energy and the right give and take, amazing. More often than not, I was just a barrel of nerves working through it, getting just enough success to move on to the next round. And then that was that. But I think to myself now, I'm going, was I kind of having like many panic attacks every time I went to sleep and every time I was about to go in the room? No, that's really interesting, you know, and, and I think that that piques my my curiosity there, because when you were first initially telling me the story, I figured that that experience that you were experiencing was something that is maybe normal like that's something that people had experienced in a deprivation tank because that's kind of the psychological aspect of being able to just surrender you know and i was just thinking i was like well, do you think maybe it gave you a, a deeper sense of an awareness maybe to yourself or to the things around you or even after it was there a sense of a sense of like wholeness when when leaving or was it more the relief and then this the second part of that is you know when we're anxious it's like a kite, you know, and then you lose grasp of the kite and it flies. It goes wherever, you know what I mean? Like you, there's no sense of control and anything can kind of spur um, or ignite that fire. There's there's no resolve until, you know, you feel like you're out of the situation. You have a control of the situation back and then you can kind of catch your bearings. And so I think experiencing that in the deprivation tank, I was wondering if part of the therapy would be to do the breathing exercises and spend the two hours in surrendering to be able to overcome that impression that you had. The best question in the world. Would I, would I go do it again? Honestly, my answer was, <laughs> if you had asked me maybe six months ago, my answer uh, was a, like a resounding, let me go back and, and, and check this out. 
my husband would would be like, you're not being smart. You're just not being smart. Like it was it was a horrible experience and he wouldn't put his stamp on it. If I was if I really felt I needed to go back with this unfinished business and go into there and and defeat whatever it was that kind of had its hold on me. It's it's more of an awareness of where my line is. And that's to me what this bucket list item became not why I wrote it down on the paper. You know how I always tell you when you feel like, oh, damn, I'm right back where I where I was six years ago. And the famous quote is, no man ever steps in the same river twice, for he's not for it's not the same river and he's not the same man. I know where I was on the map. And by the way, I'm getting chills as I as I talk about it. I found out where the wall was. I found out where my limit was. And I am cautious about going there again for my mental health because it has gotten dark a couple of times in my life, as I'm sure a lot of the listeners have experienced themselves. And paying attention to my mental health on a consistent basis is necessary for me to stay alive. And that's because of the gift that I've been given of empathy and uh, the responsibility that I take on to experience life to the fullest while also doing what I need to do to remain here. Yeah, I hear you. At least, the, yeah, that's good. And the second time I almost broke for some reason, emotionally. Aware of it. You know, now you're aware like, oh, yeah, I, that's my boundary. It's my limit because it was an extreme experience that you had, you know, in that situation. I, I used to have a lot of pain. I used to do wrestling and I would have kind of like, and bef even before a show. Oh, of course. You know, that stage, I still, I would throw up multiple times before a show, um, before wrestling, I was in my, I had, had to be secluded and before I had a match and kind of in my zone. And it's interesting. I had one coach tell me, he's like, look, half the battle, if you're looking at the guy, he's trying to like that your opponent, you know, you're looking at your opponent and he's like psyching you out. Half the battle is him winning in your head. You know what I mean? Because if you think that he's going to beat you, you're going to go into that match and you're going to lose. Sure. So I had to keep my, you know, but it was, and I had to quit because after. So it's great. You you say punchlines without realizing it. I have to laugh to let you know that that was a punchline. Oh, was it? And I had to quit. <laughs> if he's going to, he's going to defeat you if you think, sweet. Okay, well, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm done. No, no, I, I, I did well. Like, I think I only lost one. I lost two matches and then everything was a gold medal from all my tournaments. So hard on yourself. <laughs> a little too, too. Oh my. No, but you're so hard on yourself because you, you do so well in things. And But, I, you know, it could have been a mix of the, of the two, the anxiety, the anxiousness of the buildup. And then once you're in there, just everything secluded, boom, game mode. That's kind of how I feel like when I'm on stage and stuff. I think the first time that I fell in love with the stage, so anxious, you could hear the crowd filing in. There's a name for that, the house, right? The audience. They file in and you hear the chatter and every, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is a full house tonight. And then the talker goes, you know, the speaker and, and, and our director and whoever the house is at, you know, at this instance, it was the Stella Adler Theater. And, you know, they give whatever they want to say about how proud they are about everything and the process and thanking for people coming out to support. And then the lights dim down and then the theater goes silent. You know, and I remember my first scene, I was out there, I started off on, you know, I think stage down, so the front of the stage to the audience, but down for the performer. 
sitting on the ledge and I looked out, you know, I'm just kind of in character and I looked out into the audience and all I saw was blackness. You know, it was just the lights. Sh and I was like, oh, okay, I can do this. They're not there, you know? And that's what helped. Cool. And it's kind of the zoning out experience. And, but it's, it's, a, it's a mind over matter, mind over yourself mind against yourself that you kind of kind of have to overcome you know I, I just feel so compelled to talk about like that experience with auditioning happened with me genuinely thinking that acting was the only way for me to make my mark that i had the responsibility of the talent that i possessed to do it i had told every single person i could that had ears uh that I was going to be an actor, that I'm in LA, that I'm working my butt off, that I'm going to be in movies and I'm going to do all those things. And that's a ton of pressure um, that I put on myself because I had the, I, I was lucky. I had the supportive family. It was me that was my worst enemy. It's actually the realization that there was other ways I could contribute to the medium that helped save my life. No, I love that, you know, and an acting coach told me one time and it's resonated with me forever. And I don't know if I got the quote right, but maybe I internalized it in my own way. But it's when you see passion, grab it. When you feel passion, grab it. And sometimes we have this idea of something, of this, of this thing that we're trying to attain or this thing that we're trying to accomplish, this alter persona that we think that, oh, I'm going to feel, this is what I want and this is what's going to make me feel, you know, resolved and full. And sometimes that chase and that, it isn't really at the end of the day what it is that we needed, what it is that we wanted. Sometimes we take little segue journeys and we follow that journey and then that leads us to what our kind of our purpose is. You know, it's kind of following that passion and your bliss, but also following your gut and your instincts. You know, like exactly. for me, like I felt, I felt like nothing. I just couldn't, I always, I always would imagine it. It was like, can I see myself doing anything else? And maybe I can own a restaurant, you know, actually. Sure, That's sure, probably what sure. I think about, you know? Yeah. But really, I, I don't know. And so I follow that. I follow that. But if I ever had that doubt, I would explore any any areas. If I wanted to write or wanted to do anything else in the creative field or not be creative at all, you know, it's eat at martinis, man. It's called. <laughs> but no, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story, the deprivation tank story. Um, as somebody that like I was asking those questions because I'm somebody that like struggles with anxiety on a daily basis and it can be crippling sometimes. And it's something that I have to kind of just overcome things when I, you know, when I'm in a situation where I just have to be like, you know what, like shut it off. Nothing else matters in the entire world. And I have to focus on this. That's kind of like how I am on set. But I was wondering if that would be like a thing, you know, for that experience, for people that are a little bit hesitant or tentative to go and do it, that do experience anxiety to the similar degree that maybe I do or the one that you just described in that experience. If that's something that they're like, oh, I'm going to take the challenge and try to see if I can wrap my head around it and calm myself and put myself in a situation where like, I know I'm in this, you know, listen, Martin, I, I, my, my final line was just listen to my story first before you go do it. Right. And the truth is if I practice mindfulness knew I was not locked in this tank, I think the experience would be very much different. I just don't feel a sense of compulsion. <laughs> To, <laughs> to, <laughs> to go back there to take no, out yeah, unfinished totally. business. No. And I love that you feel resolved and I, and, and, and I'm sorry that you had to feel that, you know, you experienced sure. that experience, but it was also something that you feel like you, you know, oh my gosh, like, wait, was that a panic attack? Like, am I 
that you have like a deeper understanding of yourself, maybe in a sense. Absolutely. No, I, I got the experience that I needed versus the experience that I wanted. Right. Yeah. There was a purpose to it. Yeah. The overall verdict. Am I going to try it with everything in mind? I think I would give it a try. <laughs> I think it would be a challenge more so for my mind to get out of my head and surrender. But anyways, if I end up going, maybe we'll talk about that next time. And if any of you have done so or are thinking about doing a deprivation tank, let us know in the comments. That is all, folks, for today's episode. I want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Troy, for sharing, and we'll see you in the next episode. A preview of our next episode will be a take on a current film. So we'll see you next time on Creative Compulsions Podcast. Wow! Creative Compulsions!